If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast this weekend. This is a special podcast we put together for you to enjoy on the weekend. Features some of the interviews we did in the radio show during the week with some of our best guests. You can hear these live during the week in your local radio station. Just go to my website, Bongino.com, and click on Station Finder if you want to find your local station. Before we get to our first interview... With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate megastores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. First up, today's a big interview we did. We had President Donald J. Trump on the show and talked about a wide range of topics, including Hunter Biden, Ukraine, Russia, and the inflation crisis. You don't want to miss this one. Check it out. All right, let's not waste any time welcoming back to the show. Good friend, a great man, and a really terrific president. President Donald J. Trump, welcome back to the show, sir. Hi, Dan. Last time we set records... So let's do it again, okay? Let's do it again, sir. Let's do it again. So let me get right to it. So um, it's now obvious that the uh, 2020 election, big tech, the media, um, and, and the liberal activists out there colluded to wipe the Hunter Biden story off the map before the election. Yeah. They hit it. If it was a story about you and your kids, which it wouldn't be because your kids don't act unethically like that. But, of course, it would mm -hmm. be everywhere. Now we know 17% of voters, uh, they said in a poll, swing state voters, Mr. President, would have voted differently if they would have known about this Hunter Biden story. This has to infuriate you. Your thoughts on that? Well, it infuriates everybody, and maybe me almost less because I've known about it for a long time, and you've known about it. Nobody studies yep. it better than you or understands it better than you. It's a, We have a very corrupt media. It's totally corrupt, and a lot of people don't know that, but... They have learned. Uh, if you look at around 2015, everyone thought, you know, the media was in the uh, mid-90s, the approval rating. Now I think it's lower than Congress. So we've taught a lot of people about the media. The media in our country is totally corrupt. You know, just like yeah. the borders are open and the elections are corrupt, co totally corrupt. And so I saw this and I said, uh, isn't that a shame? And then the pollsters came out with numbers and they said 17%. I think you just said that 17% yep. uh difference and we won anyway but that would have been a total crazy number and it was uh, i believe that it's true if anything it's slow they would not cover the story except for the new york post in all fairness the new york post had a lot of courage and i think they went through a lot but i think they actually gained great credibility by doing that they really covered it strongly but nobody even picked it up from them and it's uh, it's uh, frankly it's disgraceful and I actually think it's probably a campaign contribution of, of, you know, massive magnitude. I think it's totally illegal what they did. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, look at you had these Zuckerbucks and Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook with all yeah. this money in the swing states. I mean, really, yep. what they did was incredible. Uh, Mr. President, we have a confirmation hearing going on right now for uh, Kentaji Brown Jackson. Um, do you notice the difference between your time in office with uh, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and uh, Coney Barrett? Um, how you were, again, you and your nominees were attacked in horrific and disgusting ways, personal attacks of the most vile order. I don't even want to repeat them out of respect for you on the phone, especially against Justice Kavanaugh. Um, and yet you see Republicans now asking, you know, dignified questions, um, but being, you know, but not not getting engaging in the personal nonsense. Doesn't this just perfectly sum up the disparity between these lunatics on the left and uh, and our party and, and the values and principles we represent? Well, nobody's ever been treated, and I don't mean just for Supreme Court justice, nobody in the history of Congress, in my opinion, has ever been treated like Justice Kavanaugh. Nobody. There's been nobody ever even close. What they did to that man, they tortured him. And personally, I don't think he'll ever be the same. I don't really think he'll ever be the same, and I could understand it. I've never seen anything like it. And uh, I actually think he's uh, very much afraid of them now, and he's afraid of being impeached. You know, don't forget... After he finally got in, after going through an ordeal, like like nobody, after that, uh, they, you know, constantly throw out that they're going to impeach him for no reason, you know, for women yeah. that never existed. And these women, you know, the three of them admitted it was false. And uh, Bill Barr should have done something about it. He was weak and ineffective. He should have done something about it. But these three of them, and then the fourth one was, you know, uh, just terrible. You watched her performance and it was a disgrace that something wasn't done. But nobody's ever treated anybody like that. And I think it's had a huge impact on him. And I think it's a shame. He has a wonderful wife and wonderful daughters and wonderful family. And uh, what he went through is uh, just terrible. And I see yeah, what's happening now. And it's, you know, I heard how tough the Republicans were going to be there. They're marshmallows. They They don't do it the same way. And they're not... Uh, <laughs> You know, they have they have good policy, but the guy, you know, when you have Mitch McConnell as a leader, it's not the same. No, it's uh, certainly not. Uh, Mr. President, uh, we're talking to President Donald J. Trump. Uh, I was reading the Wall Street Journal the other day, and it's interesting. Even some of the people who uh, took a lot of unnecessary pot shots at you and your foreign policy are now belatedly coming around that you and foreign policy, specifically Russia, Ukraine, and China, probably had the right approach. If you'll allow me, I just want to read this one sentence uh, from Pottinger, the Wall Street Journal. It's a quote he gave the Wall Street Journal. He's a defense, uh, defense expert. He said, there was a genuine unpredictability about President Trump and what he might or might not do. And that may have, more than people really appreciate, caused Xi and Putin to delay some of their plans. I've said this over and over. You never have felt this need to publicly advertise to these people what you were or weren't going to do. So they, Biden's telling everyone what he's not going to do all the time, Mr. President. So yeah. it doesn't disincentivize them to do it. Your thoughts on your approach versus his. Well, it's very sad when Biden is constantly saying about Russia, they're a nuclear power because we're a nuclear power, too. And he ought to say that. And I rebuilt our nuclear weapons at a level that nobody thought was possible, two and a half trillion dollars spent on the military, a lot of that going into the nuclear. And by the way, and I hated doing it because I understand the destructibility. I mean, it's they are so violent. It's so horrible. But we have the greatest nuclear force because of what I did. We had weapons that were 45 and 50 years old. Nobody even knew if they worked. And we don't mention that. You know, Biden keeps uh, 
like uh, making an excuse. Well, he's a nuclear power. Well, he's a nuclear power, but we're a bigger nuclear power. And we should be much stronger than we are. You know, I hate to see all the slaughter going. And that doesn't mean troops on the ground either, Dan. But when you right. or I watch the slaughter, you're going to end up, you know, when they say a, a building, when you look at those buildings that are pouring down and just blown to hell, many people are killed in those buildings. And there are a lot of people at those buildings. And then they'll say two people had minor, suffered minor injuries. And you look at this massive building that holds thousands of people. And they say, too, it's nonsense. Uh, millions of people are potentially going to be killed in this horrible situation that's going on. And so I hate to see it. And, you know, it's interesting. I was right about that, but we're right about uh, inflation. We're right about the border. We're right about a lot of things. We're right about energy. We're right about a lot of things. Yeah. Well, yeah, it hashtags on Twitter, a a forum that uh, banned you for telling the truth. Trump was right. It uh, trends uh, quite often, Mr. President. Uh, just well, related to that story. Yeah. That's right. They, they banned yeah. me for telling the truth about the <laughs> they election. They don't like that stuff. <laughs> they, yeah, don't they don't like, like that it. stuff. So there's a, there's a story. It's, it's not a story. It's real. It happened. But during your presidency, there were some Russian mercenaries on the Syrian battlefield. Um, and you and the defense secretary, you being the commander in chief, um, you wiped out those Russian mercs and the Russians didn't believe you. Apparently, through deconfliction, you called them, you told them, hey, get these Russian mercenaries off the battlefield. The Russians thought you were kidding. You weren't. Um, you, you wiped them out. They are now no longer. They don't exist. Um, again, I, I'm, I, I know you're, you know you're not a global interventionist. I'm, I'm not either. I, you're an America first guy, and so am I. But uh, I think it speaks to the lack of respect they have for Biden and the la- and the respect they had for you, because after you did that, did you notice Putin never said a darn word about it, Mr. President. That story to this day, not a lot of people know about it. Well, I hated having to do it, but, you know, they kept taunting us and the Russians were taunting us. And uh, we gave them a warning. We said, look, don't do it again. Don't do it again. Don't do it again. Three times. They said, I said, if you do it again, we're going to have to take action. And we took action. I was surprised they did it, and we did. We it was a lot of people. I hated, I hated to do it, but we had to. And frankly, if we didn't do it, I think they would have wiped out our people. If you want to know the truth, because you know there was a, there was a tremendous thing going on, and I don't think necessarily that was the reason. But Putin a hundred percent would not have attacked Ukraine if I were president. Meaning, if the election wasn't rigged, which it was, it was totally rigged. It's a rigged election with the mail-in ballots and every other thing they did. And if the election were where it should have been, uh, there would be no problem with inflation, with gas prices, with the economy. And even more importantly, because you see how bad this thing is spinning out of control, there would have been no problem with Ukraine and Russia. He would not have gone in. What are your thoughts on China? I mean, you, uh, you're one of very few people in the history of humankind to have accumulated power in the form of the presidency. I mean, we don't know what that experience is like. You do. Uh, what was it like sitting down with Xi Jinping? And, uh, you know, you, you've seen him like none of us have. Uh, do you fear that he may use this as an excuse to invade Taiwan? You, again, you know him like few people do. Yep. A very strong person, smart, all of these things. You know, whenever I say somebody's smart, oh, Trump said they're smart. Well, of course they're smart. He heads China. You know, they think I'm supposed to say, well, he's not a smart man, but he took over 1.5 billion people and he has total ironclad control, right? He's supposed, I'm supposed to say he's not a smart man. He's a very tough guy, very smart. And, 
He loves China, and he's for China. I'm for the United States. And what I did with the tariffs and taxes to them was it never happened before. They paid us, Dan, you know this better than anybody, hundreds of billions, with a B, billions of dollars. And our economy was, was eclipsing theirs like nobody. You know, everybody said, oh, in 2019, they will eclipse us. Well, not only didn't they eclipse us, but we were gaining tremendously. And uh, before, just prior to COVID, we were doubling up. We were doing so well. We were beating them at every corner, and they knew it. And then we had COVID. We had to straighten out that mess, and we did a great job with all of the things we did, as you know, with warp speed, et cetera, et cetera. And we did yeah. a great job. And then the economy was coming back, and the stock market was actually higher than it was before COVID came, just before COVID came. And then uh, we had the results of uh, <laughs> the election, the so-called results of the election. And uh, he took over, and it's uh, it's a disaster. The uh, the energy prices alone are, are just so destructive, far greater than any tax increase. You know, when energy goes up just a little bit, it's bigger than a tax increase. But uh, the energy is doubling and it's going to be doubling and tripling. It's getting worse. And now they're going, can you imagine? They're talking to Venezuela. They're talking to <laughs> Incredible. Iran. Iran. They're talking yeah. to OPEC about energy. Right. We were energy independent a year and a half ago. Think of it, energy independent, and we were going to be double the size of Russia and Saudi Arabia combined in a very short period. And they threw that out the window, and now he's begging for oil. He's begging for energy. Because, you know, the Green New Deal stuff, that doesn't have the power to fire our plants and our manufacturing. It just doesn't have the power. And it's many, many times more expensive. Mr. President, I got a minute left. Last question for you. But, you know, he ran on Build Back Better. But don't you find it odd that everything's gotten worse? I mean, literally, he's gotten I'm not speaking no, figuratively. Everything's gotten it's, worse uh, since you left and he took over. Yeah, it's called Build Back Worse. And that's what's happening. <laughs> and, uh, and there's no Build Back. Now, all of the right. things that you see, everything happening, Dan, would not have happened. And uh, just one of those things. And you're a great guy and you have a great show. And I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. I, we so deeply appreciate your time. Uh, we hope to hear from you again in 2024. I, I know everybody's asked you that. We'll pass on that for today. But uh, thank you, Mr. President. I don't want to bother you, but you get asked it all the time. Thanks for You'll your time. We so You'll deeply appreciate it. That's you good to care, hear. Dan. You put a smile thank on my face. Much. God bless you, sir. Take care. Yeah. All right, folks. That was President Donald J. Trump. There you go. Hunter Biden, Supreme Court, Russia, Ukraine. We're talking about the economy. Biden's build back worse plan. That was a wide range. And we need some of that for the podcast tomorrow, too. My humble opinion, our best interview yet with President Trump. He was fantastic on that one. We've got another great interview coming up next with The Daily Wire's Matt Walsh. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. Comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers in the role made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Okay, here's Matt Walsh from The Daily Wire talking about the shocking revelations of companies like Disney, other companies too, by the way, 
And your kid's teacher trying to groom children as young as four. Sexual indoctrination in kindergarten? No, no, no. We're not having that. Please listen to this very important conversation with Matt Walsh. Yeah, here he is. All right. Welcoming back to the show, I think for the third time, a um, really great guy, follows the culture war issues uh, intensely, knows a lot about it. Matt Walsh from the Matt Walsh Show on the Daily Wire. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure and honor to have you on. Matt is also the author of the upcoming book, soon to be released in June, What is a Woman, which is now 14 on, uh, I just saw on one of the book selling sites, number 14. So uh, pre-sales through the roof. So you probably want to check that out because Matt had to write a whole book because the left can't figure out what a woman is. But Matt, in light of everything going on right now with these uh, just explosive Disney tapes that were revealed, the Florida parental rights bill, you know, what is it? What do you think is behind this? I have a theory that it's just the left doesn't want competition from God, faith, objective values, family, or anything else. And they don't want their captive audience with kids uh, broken up by, uh, you know, by conservatives or laws. And that's why they're so upset about this. Do you have anything to add to that? Well, not really, actually, because I think you just said it exactly right. That's, that's exactly the point. I mean, you, you look at their reaction to the to the uh, the Florida bill, and obviously, as, as hopefully everyone should understand by now, unless they're totally brainwashed by leftist media, the whole don't say gay bill narrative was total fabrication. And why was it a fabrication? Well, because the actual bill itself is something that they cannot directly argue against without coming off like total freaks, because all the bill says is don't talk to, you know, six-year-olds about gender identity and transgenderism and gender fluidity, all this kind of stuff. Uh, so why are they really freaking out about it? Well, it's because, as you just pointed out, you know, they know that their whole their whole plan for the future, their dark plan for the future of America and our culture hinges on their ability to get to the kids at the youngest ages possible and um, and indoctrinate them early. I mean, you and I, as normal sane people would say, no, little kids are the last ones that you should be talking about uh, these subjects to. But to the left, they say, no, they're the first ones. They're the main ones we need to talk to. Because they're so young that they'll just accept whatever we say. They don't have the, you know, they don't have the faculties yet to think critically about this and or ask any real critical questions about it. So they're just going to accept whatever you tell them. And we need to be able to talk to them as young as possible. And that's and that's why they're reacting with such fury right now to the to the bill. We're talking to Matt Walsh, host of the of terrific podcast, Matt Walsh Show. Highly uh, highly recommended. Matt, do you sense a tide turning though? I mean, listen, I think it's fairly obvious that. We subjugated the culture wars to the political wars for a long time, especially on the conservative side. I mean, everybody knows that. I just remember being in activist meetings where they'd be like, don't talk about abortion. Don't talk about immigration. We got to talk about tax cuts. That way, I love tax cuts. They're great. But uh, I mean, let's be honest. That's a small portion of where we are as a country. Our success isn't due to tax cuts, right? It was due to a hardworking, entrepreneurial, patriotic love of the constitutional republic culture that people came here to be part of. Uh, it deteriorated for 30 years because we willingly let it happen. But I sense something changing. I really do. I mean, uh, Matt, when you see, I don't know if you saw that poll. I'm sure you did. But 52% of Florida Democrat primary voters support DeSantis's parental rights bill, even though the left falsely defamed it as a don't say gay bill. That says to me we're using shows like yours, like this, radio, you know, Fox, Daily Wire, and the power of social media uh, and they can't suppress the message anymore like they used to be able to. Yeah, I think that uh, 
ever so slightly, you see a tide changing. And I want to stop short of giving people false hope or false optimism as if, you know, a year from now, everything is going to be fixed and we'll have reclaimed the culture and all this insanity will be in the background or in the past. Uh, rather, you know, I, I don't think that's the case. I think I think the the ultimate victory of that sort, if it can happen at all, will take generations because it took generations for us to lose the culture, as you point out. So to get it back is also going to take generations. It's a long term project, but the the progress right now is simply is it's, it's really just like a, it's a baby step. It's just people on the right and conservatives and even people who don't identify necessarily as ideological one way or another are starting to realize what's happening. And that these issues actually matter. That the, the culture, these culture kinds of issues, are not sideshows. This is this is like the main attraction because we're deciding what kind of country we want to live in. What what kind of culture do you want to live in? Um, and the left, like you said, for for decades, they were basically running unopposed. Um, and now finally, we saw this with the with the school board meetings, you know, we see things, there's this a little bit of this awakening moment. And uh, I hope that it, I hope it continues. What do you think about my, uh, my, my um, what I, what I posited there before that we, we, we played a part in it. I mean, not you and I, you and I have always understood. I mean, ever since I got involved in this movement 10 years ago, that culture is the bedrock of everything. Breitbart was right. Andrew Breitbart, when he said politics, that's downstream of culture. You're not going to change a damn thing if the culture's broken. But what do you think of what I'd say before that we really did play into this? Matt, I, I know you've been part of this for a long time. You've probably heard it, too. There used to be a, a class of very powerful Republicans who insisted you can't talk about immigration. You can't talk about abortion. You definitely can't talk about guns. You'll look like a bunch of dopey hayseeds. And we want to talk about tax cuts. Like I said, I love tax cuts, but I was in those meetings. I'm sure you were part of some of this, too, or at least heard about it. Like, we really fed this machine, the Republican swamp, and let them steamroll us for 30, 40 years. Oh, we definitely did. 100%. I mean, another good example is the thing that we're not supposed to talk about is the whole the whole gender issue. I mean, for, for uh, I think now we finally got to a point where it's clear to everybody that, that you cannot ignore this. Uh, but for years and years, this is something that I ran up against where I'm trying to, you know, I'm noticing this gender fluidity, transgenderism, all this stuff. It's becoming much more mainstream. I'm seeing it as the future of our culture. And for years I was told that, no, 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 this, we don't need this, this, this. We don't need to talk about this. We just come off like bigots anyway. And it's a sideshow and all that. Uh, so it's just yet another example of, of being real late to, to the party. Um, and the thing is, I, I, I think we could look at the establishment of the Republican Party that played a part in this. Uh, but they still do. I mean, there are it's not like that has changed. Actually, the, the Republican establishment still looks at it this way. They're still hanging on to this kind of antiquated way of thinking that all that matters is tax cuts. Look at the Republican governors, even in a state like Utah, to they don't want right. to sign a bill that, that forbids males from competing against females in women's sports. Um, and why is that? Is it, is it because the governor of Utah is some kind of far left radical no not at all it's just that he he doesn't want to have to deal with these issues at all he doesn't think it's important he just wants to put this to the side and get back to talking about tax cuts um so it's unfortunately it's still a problem especially in the republican party it is a problem and you know we're talking to matt walsh author of the upcoming book what is a woman flying up the charts in pre-sales right now i saw it at 14 today which is uh incredible comes out june said pre-order it now you know, Matt, I saw you on um, Dr. Phil, like everyone else did, the clip one nuclear. And you just asked the really simple question, the title of your upcoming book, What is a Woman? And watching 
the rhetorical word salads, the, the verbal jujitsu coming out of people's mouths to answer a question that, Matt, you, your children and mine can answer with the snap of a finger. I got to tell you, it's one of the more bizarre things I've ever seen in my life. Like, really, this is the hill you guys are going to die on, that you're really confused about what the XX chromosome package is? I mean, what was it like to be witnessing that live time? You must be thinking to yourself, my gosh, this is it. We're on national broadcast television right here, and I'm showing the entire world how crazy these people are. Yeah, I mean, if someone had told me 15 years ago that I'd be writing a book titled What is a Woman, I would have been, <laughs> I would have found that pretty bewildering also. But it is, I'll tell you what it is when you, look, the gender ideology stuff, like so much of the left's views on things in the worldview, it, it, it all starts to collapse under the weight of very simple questions. All you have to do is ask the questions and watch it collapse on its own, which is part of what happened in that, in that Dr. Phil clip. But what they do, their tactic is they know that they can't answer the questions. They can't really explain their ideas because there's nothing under the surface. There's nothing really there. So what they try to do is they try to complicate matters and use a bunch of words, use a bunch of fancy language, use a lot of, uh, you know, uh, just buzzwords and, and jargon and get you lost in the weeds so that you forget what you're even talking about. And uh, they, do this with, they do this with abortion. They do this with every issue. Um, and it, that's why what, the tactic on, among sane people, among conservatives, is that you just have to stay on message. Like, you know – this is what a woman is. This is what this, this is what we're talking about. How do you define these terms? And stick with that. Don't let them don't let them bring you out in the weeds where you get lost out there. You got to stay on message because all they can do, all they can do is just so obfuscate. Important. And that's that's the only tactic they have. So important. Matt, that is folks, please listen to what Matt just said. Please, we're talking to Matt Walsh, host of the Matt Walsh podcast, a great show. What you said is so important. That is the best advice I can give to anyone thinking of being an activist running for office, or candidly even engaging people on social media. They will lose you in the weeds. Getting away from the simple question of what is a woman for a second, I've, I've had it with abortion a thousand times. I say to them over and over, they will go on and on and do all this clump of cells nonsense, cycles of life, dependency on the woman. Yet when you ask them a simple question, Matt, you say, listen, I have a 100% success record that every human being on planet Earth has been conceived. Now, not every conception results in a human being, but every human being, Matt, has been conceived. I'm 100 million for 100 million out of the last 100 million people born. They have no response to that. No, 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 life doesn't, life doesn't begin a conception. It's just, it's, they can't get past just the obvious. And it goes back to what you were saying. Like, yeah, what's a woman? The simple stuff. Don't let them do the verbal jujitsu. Such brilliant advice you had right there. Yeah, and, they, and the other thing is that they'll, they'll do as part of this is that they want to bring it immediately to the hardest, most outlier cases they possibly can, which is why uh, any conversation about abortion with someone on the left, well, within 10 seconds, they're going to be talking about rape, incest, life of the mother, these, these sorts of uh, scenarios. Just like if you're talking about gender, immediately they're going to talk about intersex and all these things, like 0.1% of the population. And that's, that's another obfuscation tactic. It's like, well, let's, before we get to any of that kind of stuff, Let's talk about the vast majority of cases. Okay, let's talk about what, what this situation almost always is. Can we talk about that first and then get into all the difficult hypotheticals that you're throwing out there? Because the thing is, once you establish, once you talk about the, the general issue itself and you establish your principles, then you can engage with the, with the difficult cases because you know what your principles are. And one principle, the, the pro-life principle, is that it is never okay to intentionally destroy human life. 
that's the pro-life position. And yeah, you apply that to the difficult cases as well. But uh, you don't want to let them drag you into that immediately. Like, like, no, we're not talking about that yet. We're talking about this. Let's talk about this. And then if you can answer these questions, like, for example, what is human life? When does it begin? If you can even answer those questions, maybe then we'll talk about some of the harder cases. But until you can do that, we're, we're not having that conversation because we can't because we don't even know what we're talking about. Brilliant. Brilliant. Matt, uh, thanks so much for your time. Uh, the book, folks, uh, please go pre-order it now, is called What is a Woman? by Matt Walsh, flying up the charts, available for pre-order right now, wherever you get your books. What is a Woman? by Matt Walsh. Matt, thanks a lot for your time. You're welcome back anytime. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Dan. Appreciate it. You got it. Folks, that is absolutely fantastic, stellar advice. That's why I love having Matt on. Do not let them lose you in the rhetorical weeds. They want to talk about the difficult, really troubling, traumatic cases. Fine. Let's agree first that life begins at conception and you are arguing for termination of a life. Once we accept that fact, then I can, I will happily debate you on the cases you're talking about. Once we can agree on what a woman is biologically, I'm happy to talk to you about what you think a woman isn't. But first we're going to agree on what it is, what a woman is. Very well said. Matt Walsh with some great advice there on how to fight the culture war. We forfeited for too long. Here's Miranda Devine again from the radio show. She was talking about the admission now by mainstream media that what we knew the whole time that the Hunter laptop was genuine and not Russian disinformation is in fact real. A little late to the party, huh? You don't want to miss this interview. I'm going to get back to this great reset, fourth industrial revolution, new world order, whatever buzzy terms the left, the left uses to talk about their reorganization of society throughout the hour. Uh, but I wanted to uh, get to our guest first, a terrific guest, wrote an amazing book, Laptop from Hell. I'm one of the publishers on that book. The book has been a mega bestseller, exposing one of the biggest political scandals of our time, the Hunter Biden laptop. Uh, Miranda Devine. Miranda, welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks so much, Dan. Great to be with you again. Always good to be with you. So the book has been a mega, mega bestseller because people are interested in this enormous scandal. And one of the things I wanted to address with you first, now that the New York Times has hilariously confirmed what you and I have known for over a year now, that the laptop was <laughs> genuine. Isn't it strange that the same media type, so you're an actual you know, journalist, Miranda, that, 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 that they ran with the dossier story on the, the lightest of evidence at best, secondary and tertiary sources, um, who were claimed they weren't even real. And yet when it came to the laptop signed over by Hunter Biden with Hunter Biden's address and phone number and a firsthand account of Hunter Biden dropping it off, the media seemed to not be able to verify it. Doesn't that tell the whole story right there? Oh, absolutely. Look, you know, the double standards, I think we're so used to now, but it doesn't make them any better. And they want a Pulitzer for their Russia collusion, collusion fake story. <laughs> and, you know, the, the thing about the laptop is people... People are sort of dubious about it because they can't see it. You know, they think that because it came from Rudy Giuliani, somehow it's tainted all of that. All right, fine. But it wasn't just the laptop. My book is not just about the laptop. It is about um, all the jigsaw piece, puzzle pieces. And that includes a huge part of it is Tony Bobolinsky. Now, he had, um, you know, all his devices he handed over to the FBI, and that is documents and emails and encrypted messages, WhatsApp messages. Um, you know, he had everything that was on the laptop plus some. And so what he has corroborates 
that's on the laptop. He also, with his own testimony, I mean, he made himself available to the media last October. After our story came out, before the election, he stood up and he had a press conference and no one was interested. They didn't want to write about it. Tucker Carlson interviewed him on Fox News. Michael Goodwin, my colleague at the New York Post, interviewed him. You know, that was about it. And so there is no excuse for the so-called prestige media to have ignored this story before the election. Tony Bobulinski is a highly credible person, a naval veteran, a successful businessman, a, you know, a man of totally, you know, in total integrity. And uh, yeah. they just ignored him and they traduced him. And in effect, what they were doing was they were calling, you know, me, the New York Post, Emma Jo Morris, uh, our editors, um, Tony Bobulinski, um, John Paul MacIsaac, the laptop top repair guy. We were all supposedly part of some giant Russian conspiracy. It's so preposterous. And yet <laughs> the weird thing is that they, they were so naive and so gullible and so willing to accept false information from their sources, their supposed intelligence sources about the Steele dossier, which on its face was ridiculous. Like that was absolutely the stuff. The P tape was just ridiculous and did not pass the sniff test. And yet the, the, the laptop, it is absolutely believable from the get-go that a crackhead like Hunter Biden would leave his stuff around. And we know that he, this was one of three laptops that we know of that he lost, that he left behind places that got stolen from him. He was always losing his devices, his phones, always going to Apple, getting new stuff. And money was no object. Um, like he was a crack addict. So I don't, I, you know, there's no justification for that section of the media heart that has half the population of America, that's their chosen organ. So they kept half of America, half the American voters in the dark before the election. And that was that was election interference, because the only reason they did it 100 percent, they wanted to make sure that that Donald Trump didn't win. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, the election interference is now listen, as you and I both know, because unlike, you know, many of these lefty reporters were reasonable people. Uh, it's impossible to prove a counterfactual. I can't prove what would have happened when it didn't happen. You know, the, yeah. if time works in run di- one direction. But there is a strong evidence to indicate things would have turned out dramatically different, Miranda. By the way, we're talking Miranda Devine, author of the book of the year, Laptop from Hell. If you haven't read it, you, I promise you don't know the depths of how ugly this Hunter Biden laptop story is. Laptop from Hell. Please pick it up. But Miranda, when you take polling like uh, the MRC and Newsbusters did with the poll company and you tell you ask people the question, 17 percent of Biden supporters in swing states indicate that they likely would have pulled their support if they were aware of this information. So you know, th- that that that's a fact. That polling data point is a fact. You know, again, I can't prove a counterfactual, but there's no question they interfered in the election. Well, exactly. And, you know, being uh, in journalism, that is a huge privilege. You have all these First Amendment rights. You have, um, you know, the privilege of being able to get access to information, get access to people. Um, And you're not doing it because you're such a great person. It's because you have a duty with that um, access to give in a true and honest information 
to the American people and to the voters before an election so that they can make up their minds about which of the two candidates for president they think would do the best job. And that's a really sacred duty of every voter. And they can't do the due diligence themselves. They have to rely on the media, on journalists to do that due diligence for them and expect that it be honest and straightforward. Of course, there's a little bias here and there, but you don't expect completely false information to be provided and you don't expect the playing field to be so skewed that one of the candidates for president gets, you know, complete scrutiny, which I think is good, you know, the more scrutiny, the better. Look at Donald Trump's tax returns, no problem. But you have to apply the same level of scrutiny to his opponent. And that didn't happen with Joe Biden. All there was was, you know, nice stories about the ice cream he likes. He stays in the basement. He never gets a top question. No one... And then the laptop arrives, um, you know, with, with the, the hint at the very least of corruption of Joe Biden selling out his office. That is the allegation that comes out of material on the laptop. Maybe he has an explanation for it, but he never gave it. He ran away. You remember after our story came up middle of October, three weeks before the election, he just went to ground for that week. He just went into the basement and didn't come up. And, uh, you know, they were sort of scrambling to try and get their ducks in a row and make sure that they had their friendly media on board and they had uh, big tech censoring us. And then they had those, I call them the Dirty 51, the John Brennans and James Clappers and Leon Panettas and Michael Hayden, who wrote that ridiculous letter uh, claiming that, you know, in their expert opinion, even though they hadn't seen it, uh, the laptop and the material we were publishing you know, had all the earmarks of Russian disinformation. Um, and now they say, oh, no, they didn't say that. Yes, they did read the letter. They knew exactly yeah. the impression that letter was going. <laughs> Doesn't matter how many weasel words they squeeze in there. No, the headline of the letter and, of course, the headline of every story that came after. And also Joe Biden used that letter two days later when he was having his final debate with Donald Trump, who, of course, brings up the laptop in our story. Um, he says, they're talking about you, Joe. They think you're corrupt. What do you say to that? And Joe Biden says, I have this letter from, you know, the top 50 former intelligence, the intelligence community says this is garbage. It's a Russian plant. And that's all that it took to wipe the story away. Yeah. You know, it, the letter, I, I can't think of a better analogy than how ridiculous this letter was in, in the, you know, the, their abuse of their expertise and their titles to portray a false narrative. I mean, imagine 51 of the world's finest doctors signing a letter saying, saying, God forbid, but uh, Dan Bongino, it, it, it appears he may have cancer. I can't prove it. I haven't examined Dan. I haven't seen him, but I see him on the thing and I don't know. I mean, you'd be justifiably freaked out. Oh my gosh, I could have 51 brilliant doctors said I could have cancer. Holy crap, I better get to the doctor. And then just say, oh no, we just guessed. Because, we, you know, we, whatever, we wanted you to, to, to enrich the local oncology clinic. I mean, that's what happened here. It was, it's such well, it a was disgrace a what they operation. did. It was a political yeah. operation, obviously. And, uh, you know, I, I, my, I've been told, uh, you know, I can't prove it, but, you know, who was involved in it. Um, but it was a democratic operation. And uh, once they got the top people signed on, who are all mad never-Trumpers, I mean, well, not all of them, but, I mean, Clapper and Brennan and Hayden are absolute Trump haters. So once you get, they're big names, once you get them on board, the lower-level people, you know, they don't know any better, I guess. Um, and they're all they're all Democrats anyway. I mean, they always have been, they work particularly good analysts. And one, one of them, Miranda, is on the January 6th committee now, the former CIA 
Uh, Deputy, he's I'm going to get to that story staff. later. He's a, Yeah, he's the chief of yeah. staff. It's ridiculous. I, yeah. I got about a, a, a minute and a half left. We're talking to Miranda Devine, author of a, a book you, you really have to read, Laptop from Hell. I, I can't describe to you the information in there until you read it, Laptop from Hell. One last question for you. The audience wanted me to ask you this, and it's a good one. Um, why do you think the New York Times came clean now? There's a bunch of theories. Holman Jenkins thinks it's because of... Uh, the Russia war and that the New York Times is trying to get serious again about journalism. I, I you know, I don't buy that. Uh, I think it's more of an indictment thing and they're not going to be able to run from the story. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's right. Look, I think the dam is about to burst and there's a lot of things happening. It's not just Hunter Biden, but that's a big part of it. That um, you know, I, this Delaware grand jury has been like, you know, his business partners have gone in there, his uh, ex-girlfriends, his baby mama. Um, you know, they've spilled a lot of beans, and um, so at some point, that you know, it's likely that there will be um, indictments coming out of that for Hunter Biden over tax evasion, um, you know, potential, a whole lot of things. Um, and I think that Hunter Biden had thought that was going to go away, that by paying the $1 million tax that, you know, that it was cleaned up. But it looks as if they're actually going after other things, you know, foreign agent registration allegations um, and and the money laundering allegations. And they're also looking at Blue Star Strategies, that lobbying firm that, that was um, working right. with Burisma in Ukraine as well. So, you know, I think it's going to be messy. And, and I think the New York Times just buried in their 24th paragraph of a story that was really about rehearsing Hunter's uh, defense, legal defense, and how innocent he was. They had to put it in there because they don't want their readers to be completely blindsided when the whole story comes out and they have to actually admit it. And, you know, I know there are journalists on that paper who know that the laptop's real. They were told by, you know, people who know back last year. Um, and the Washington Post is now looking at the laptop as well. So it, it, I think once that side of the media does, starts looking, they're going to pull the threads. It's just a journalistic treat. You know, if you're a journalist, it doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on. This is just a rocking great story. Oh, I mean, Miranda, think about it. I got to run, but it has everything, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, politics, presidential elections, Donald Trump, Biden, Obama. I I mean, the thing is just a disaster, but I got to run. God bless you with the book. You really did the nation a service by writing Laptop from Hell, mega bestseller. Good luck with it. We'll get one more plug in before we go, but we we appreciate your time, Miranda. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much, Dan. Bye. You got it. That's Miranda Devine, folks, author of Laptop from Hell. I'm telling you, I got to look at the book early. I don't uh, I don't get involved with publishing for a lot of books, folks. You may want to check this one out. I'm just going to leave that one there. Laptop from hell. It is worth every single penny. Pick up Miranda's book, by the way. She's the author of a terrific book. I had a role in publishing. I'm proud to say that. It's called Laptop from Hell. It exposes the corruption of the Biden family. It was extensive. Thanks for listening to special Sunday podcast. We really appreciate it. Those are some important interviews. Culture war with Matt Walsh, Donald Trump on the Hunter and Miranda Devine and the corruption with the Biden family. It's a Biden family scandal. It's a Joe Biden scandal, not just a Hunter scandal. Don't forget that. You can hear more of these interviews on the radio every weekday across the country and over 300 radio stations. Just go to Bongino.com, click on station finder to find out where I'm on near you. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. You just heard Dan Bongino.